You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. All right, buddy. We had an excellent, excellent championship weekend last week, and it feels like forever ago already, but, uh, you know, we're only one sleep away from the PLL, and I don't think there's ever been a better back-to-back week of lacrosse since probably, you know, the MLL, PLL overlapping or almost overlapping last summer. It was a great weekend. I'm glad to see that I wasn't a complete jinx to every team that participated in championship weekend. Um, and I'm excited for the PLL. Um, I was following, you know, I've been, I've been following it a lot long, a lot more closely than I have in the past in terms of professional lacrosse. And I'm excited to see kind of where this, uh, this product goes. Um, I think there's a lot of good juju going um for the yeah you had robert craft uh getting in with the billionaire boys club trying to yeah robert craft's coming into it you know they uh they did the right thing by um you know um by by putting chris hogan on a team but we'll uh we'll talk about that i'm sure a little bit later um well i have to think it was strategic too right this whole thing was at gillette they put training camp at gillette and if robert craft wasn't sold a hundred percent before maybe he was you know early discussions we had those conversations about investing maybe he passed on the first or second round but now they're getting into what like round three of investment and it's literally write-offs well and it's it's all over your building right like they said they even said we don't expect to be I, i think i read in sportico they don't expect to be profitable until 2024 which is actually relatively soon now that i think about it and yeah, it takes money to get to Whoa, profitability. What, did I read that they sold more tickets for this weekend than they did in all of season one? No, I think it was Gillette Stadium sold more tickets in week one than any single event did last year. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. Not not all of them, but yeah, any single event. So that bodes yeah. well. I know Peacock is subscriptions are doing well. I think the $5 is a really good deal. Luckily, I have Xfinity, so Peacock has been free. So don't have to do any extra purchase. Yeah, if you have Xfinity people, just uh, hold the button, say Peacock, and it'll pop up on your screen and you're done. You're, well, you're good to go. I have none of that. I pirate my uh, my elderly parents' um, <laughs> uh, cable. So. so you might have to look into that. But all right, so last weekend, let's start with D1. So we had Maryland against Virginia. It looked for a little while there that Maryland was just unable to get anything going. But of course, a few questionable calls, a couple great plays, and they make a run at the end. And, uh, you know, let's not dive too deep into the game itself, but they lose 16 17. Let's just talk about that last play. So, face off guy comes off the bench, wins a bunch of face offs. You know, he was not the guy that they predicted to, to be, you know, they had Shockey as the, the main yeah. guy. This guy comes in, he wins the face off with like, what, 11 seconds left? Yep, there was 11 seconds left. He has a clean look. Do you shoot or do you pass if you're that kid? If I'm that kid and, you know, that's how they're taught. If the C's part and nobody slides to you, you go in and you take it. Anybody mm-hmm. that says anything different, um, you know, I, I, I just don't know what you're thinking. Um, if that kid sticks it, he's a hero. And you guys are like, oh, greatest, you know, greatest. Yeah. Um, your, your time to shine moment in lacrosse history. <laughs> um, but he didn't. And guess what? You're, you're shooting on one of the better goalies. You know, one, one of the, I would say that Alex road is the best big game goalie since Jesse Schwartzman. 
um, okay. in terms of the bold, bold. he is because no matter what Jesse Schwartzman, you know, that guy as the goalie at Johns Hopkins, he, he just won championships and put the team on his back. And I think Alex Rhodes in the, in the, in the same company as that um, he gets hit when the, when the moment gets bigger, he gets better. And I think that's a great thing. Um, I think anybody that has a problem with that, you know, isn't, 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 you know, I, I don't know if they've ever really coached. Um, you know, you can't take it back. You can't take it back. It's well, like, listen, well, like I tweeted, it's the conversation with, you, Oh, do you, t- do you take a timeout? Do you do this? Do you oh, do that? Man. Stop it. Yeah. Listen, I, I tweeted that you, you take that shot. You a hundred percent get a shot off. Yeah. You make a pass. There's no guarantee that a, the pass is caught B that that shot's any better. He eliminated all the variables. Well, and, and I'll just say this. UVA has did a great job out of timeouts this championship weekend. All right. Especially in short time situations, you know, I, I, on Saturday it happened where um, I, I forget who had the ball, but held them to without a shot with less than, you know, 20 seconds left in the, mm-hmm. in the first half or in the first or, or in a quarter, um, you know, they, they buckle down, um, you know, their defense in a settled six on six, you know, made, you know, got better by leaps and bounds over the course of the season. And they were probably playing the best defense out of anybody on championship weekend. So that was not the team that got throttled by Syracuse. No, not at all. So, you know, in that situation, I think you got to take that shot. You know, you have to. No, we stand firmly on this. Uh, I'll die on this hill that he, he did the right thing and that Alex road, you know, he read it perfectly. You could see him dropping low almost immediately like he knew it was coming and you know he just happened you know great shot even better save i mean listen you're not gonna give up that he's he's right in front of the net you're not gonna not take that shot no you're but you know yeah listen so congrats to maryland great season what was it like 15 and one yeah they they didn't turtle up they 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 came back at the end but it is what it is Moving on to D2, you have LeMoyne against Lenore Ryan, and this one started off. I mean, I literally wrote that it's a tale of two halves because in the first Don't half, the bear. That's it looked, listening. what was it, 5-5 five, five at the half or something I, like that? Yeah, it was 5-5 five, five at half. It was a great first half. All I will say is, is that I think I said it last week, it's going to come down to LR's offense versus LeMoyne's defense, and LeMoyne has always um, – done what they do you know they they play good offense they're tough on defense um you know and they're a bunch of upstate tough kids like don't poke the bear and i think that as the first half got on you know some of the better players on lr were poking the bear a little bit with some of their antics during the game and post celebrations yeah yeah um those are not the kids that you want to, you, you, you want to make, you know, you want to, you want to make angry. Um, and, and listen, at the end of the day too, it was working for LR Lemoyne hunkered down in the second half and, and they went on a little bit of a run kudos to both programs. Cause they had phenomenal years. Um, you know, I, I think LR, we talked about it. LR had a great season, nothing to, nothing to be disappointed about. Um, you know, it's really hard to, uh, but at the same time, you know, none of these kids that are, that are, that were on the team at Lemoyne were part of the last time they won a national championship in 2016. So, um, you know, while coach Sheehan has had experience as a coach, uh, you know, in this situation, um, no, none of the players were, were there. So it's, I, I thought it was a great game. You know, I, it, it was, it was, it was a great display for what D2 is all about. Yeah. Credit to Sheehan for making those halftime adjustments because Eric Dickinson for LR looked like one of the country's best players. I mean, he still is, he but is, yeah. they figured out that, and he drew a lot of attention to himself. They figured out, all right, listen, this guy is as advertised, but then second half, they made sure that he 
couldn't really get the ball. They, they, they slid early to him. They made his life very tough and LR struggled to find any offense outside of him. Mm-hmm. And that's, just, you know, they scored one goal in the second half, Yep. you know, and, and Zach, I don't know how to say his last name, Zach Bodo or Bodo. Bodo. He, he crushed it for LR at the faceoff dot. I mean, he had 12 GBs. He was well above 50%. But, you know, if you get the ball to the offense and they just can't do anything with it, you know, shot clock, error, clock, shot clock error will make it very difficult for you because you then get rushed very quickly. And yeah. then obviously Matt Hutchings is the real deal for Lemoyne, six goals on only eight shots. I mean, Jesus. And then Frank Dahlia, the goalie for Lemoyne, 15 saves with only six against. So, you know, I think that was somewhat of a product of those forced yep. shots, those late shot clock shots where it looked like LR sometimes was like, 10 seconds left just throw the first thing at the net that you can get and hope for the best and yeah but you know what lr will be back with a vengeance they uh the foundation has been set those kids now have experience and you know look out for the bears in the next over the next couple seasons yeah if they can get through the bulldogs over at wingate yeah and and the saints over at limestone that's the top of that conference is elite it really is all right and then on to d3 with could have been the best game, the double OT thriller, RIT Salisbury 15-14 with one of the craziest endings, the, the restart, I think, at the end of regulation to get that shot off, the quick restart that they gave them where it was like basically the guy just never stopped running. Hit that pass, got a, got a shot on cage, ties it up. We go yeah. to OT, nothing, go to double OT and – an unlikely game-winning shot, too. I don't know how that pass got through and how that shot got off. That's what RIT does, man. They are they have a heavy box flavor, and, and they are fantastic. Coach Kuhn does a great job. Congratulations to him for all the heartache that him and his assistant, Coach Moss, put up through put up with over the last few years, coming up close and not getting it. You know, I think it helped them, you know, seize this moment. But on the other side of it, for as much success Sal- Salisbury has had, they've been a part of two of the most, like, gut-wrenching division three finals losses um, and had some suspect things happen in those. Um, I go back to when coach Barnes was the coach at his one year when he took over for Leland Rogers as the interim, when Cortland won the national championship, you know, they scored on a suspect late goal to beat Salisbury um, in overtime. And then you have that, you know, basically that, that interference call at the end of game at the end of the game with the quick restart to help them tie it and put it into overtime. Um, what I will say, and, and it was talked about on the broadcast a little bit, there were some uncharacteristically undisciplined plays um, put in place by Salisbury in, in the division three championship that might have, you know, skewed a couple of things and had some things go the other way. Um, once again, great season for them. You know, unfortunately, somebody has to win, somebody has to lose. Um, you know, the Seagulls will be back. Coach Berkman is a, is a wizard with what he does. Um, but like I said, I thought that this was RIT's year, and it turns out it, it was. Congratulations to them. Those guys can sling it. Those guys play a fast, fun brand of lacrosse. And that overtime goal, um, that's one of the best ones that I've seen ever. Absolutely. Um Friend of the podcast and fellow LAS contributor, Marty Ward, wanted to make sure everybody knew that uh, all three winning head coaches are all from CNY. So he just wanted everybody to know that, to, to remember that CNY might, might be the best, the, the mecca of coaching, at least in terms of birth. So 
shout out to Marty Ward for that little fun fact. I actually had no clue. I, I don't know where. Any no, of that's guys fantastic. Are from. I mean, Coach Sheen's a West Jenny guy. Um, Coach Tiffany is from right outside the Onondaga Nation, and mm -hmm. then Coach Kuhn, um, I think he's a Rochester guy. He played at uh, Nazareth. He was a phenomenal mm -hmm. goalie at Nazareth. So that's great. Um, Back in the heyday, you know, uh, they can they, they can state claim. I think let's just talk. Let's just call it what it is. You know, the great state of New York takes two out of three. Um, <laughs> you know, good for them. But listen, we all know where the where, where the cradle of college. We all know where the cradle of college. Yeah, I was just from. say, listen, yeah. Long Island's not part of New York until it is until it's convenient. All right, all right. Moving on. So let's talk about the the, the Tawarton Ward. So, you Done. know, easy. Jared on, Bernhardt, Bernhardt and Charlotte North. Done. Let's rewind a little bit. So, we have the the five finalists come out right, and they're all attackmen. So the the conversation has been: Why do we have it as the best player in college lacrosse when it could easily just be the best offensive player in college lacrosse or? the attackment of the year award. What, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think they do need to spread the love a little bit. Um, it really is turned into an offensive award. Um, you know, I think in the past there have been some defensive players that probably should have been up for it. Um, you know, Jared Connors could have easily been a finalist this year. I thought that he was, he was extremely exceptional for the Cavaliers, mm -hmm. but I mean, call it what it is. It, it really is, um, you know, the offensive player of the year, but you know, don't just call it that for the Tuarth and it's the same thing for, you know, for the division one, most outstanding player of the year. Usually mm -hmm. it goes to, you know, the, the best offensive player. Yeah, so, not to make that Heisman Trophy reference that everyone hates, but it's the same thing. It's always a quarterback, a running back, a wide receiver. It's never like the greatest D end of all time or anything like that. Unless Charles so, Woodson. Yeah, which again, he couldn't do it without playing some offense. The <laughs> same thing with um, Desmond Howard. Exactly, exactly. Go blue. So so we have these five attackmen. They narrowed it down, oh, thank God, to three attackmen for the finalist group. So we've got Chris Gray, we've got Michael Sowers, and we've got Jared Bernhardt. Now the question is, like you and I both agree strongly that Jared Bernhardt should be the winner. Hands down, just his performance was the most dominant. So two two things to talk about. One, is there any way that there's a little ACC bias here still? And them saying that, you know, certain voters saying, well, Sowers or Gray, whichever one you go with, they had a harder schedule, like, you know, overall. And that's why, like, even though they scored less points or at the end of the season, ultimately looked like they weren't the number one guy that they deserve the award. Listen, head to head, the, um, Head to head, I, I always go like that. Like, um, you know, listen, Chris Gray, Chris Gray had a phenomenal year. He was the attackman of the year. Um, you know, but he had some, you know, I will say this, there is an ACC bias because Chris Gray did the exact same thing Chris Gray did when he was at Boston and he wasn't a first team All-American. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I, I agree with that a little bit, but in this case, Bernhardt was better than both of them. Sowers never looked like he really, you know, he got his points, but he never really. He didn't um, look comfortable to the end. Yeah, and even then it still looked then a little bit off. Yeah. 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 Um, and Chris Gray was great. Um, but I mean, when the, when the light was, when the light was shining, Jared Bernhardt, you know, he, he stepped out and stepped up and that dude put on a clinic, um, you know, in the, in, in the playoffs when it really mattered most. Now, now some of these voters are, you know, experienced in life, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Do you think that there's any kind of 
shade kind of thrown at Jared Bernhardt because they know he's not going to be playing professional lacrosse or continuing lacrosse? Well, if that's the case, then I don't. I mean, I know they didn't do that to Pat Spencer, but that was a little bit different. I just don't see a situation where he's not going to win the award. Oh, I think he's going to win. I just think that Um, there might be some points kind of shaved and given to other people for petty reasons. I, I, I think that's, that just happens across the board and a lot of things, but yeah, you could see that, but I think he wins it hands down. And I think there are some for as great as the ACC is. I think, um, I think some of those coaches need to start teaching V holds to their freaking defensemen (laughs) because that's the only way you were going to stop that guy that cross check hold on him, just give Mm -hmm. him top side and let him, let him fire on your goalie and look what happened. Guy just puts up points. Yeah. And he's willing to throw his body in front of somebody and, and take that, that early slide and still get the shot off. So, yeah. All right. And on the women's side, a little bit less controversy. I mean, if you're, if you're a favor going into championship weekend and then you play as well as you did, you, you, you're versatile, you take draws on top of everything instead on top of going over a hundred points or a hundred goals or whatever it was, you, you also take draws. You're just very visible. You have a huge impact on the entire game from end to end, you know, Charlotte North by far and away, easy decision. Yeah. I mean, I don't, it should be you know, almost unanimous, honestly. It is unanimous. It's yeah. if anybody doesn't, you're, you're, you should get your head examined. That girl <laughs> led them to the, and she, uh, she's phenomenal to watch. I enjoyed watching her. I watched best, those honestly best player. And this has been said by a few people and it, it's not, I don't think it's a hot take. You know, these announcers love yeah. to say it like it's a hot take, like no, no, Anish, she's the best player period in all of lacrosse. Well, that's not a hot take. Like we've anybody that knows lacrosse knows this, like, Charlotte North is, if, if it was a combined award, would be the best player, period, in 2021 in lacrosse, male or female. Yeah. I mean, she she posted, like, I mean, and the way she broke Unbelievable. the Unbelievable. Free position shots, hitch, and just snipe. Man. That, be a leading can't... scorer for any men's D1 team, the way that she shoots. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So player. if you want to watch that ceremony, that is actually going to be um live on nbc sports network during halftime of the pll game between the whip snakes and the chaos scheduled and that game scheduled to begin at 5 p.m so obviously the award ceremony itself will be a little bit reliant on the uh on the game but that's pretty cool you know lacrosse feeding into more lacrosse celebrating each other and i believe also uh the boston college women's team is going to be celebrated at halftime of the game uh tonight this is being recorded on Thursday, but obviously the gate, you know, posted tomorrow. So Friday night, I'm pretty sure halftime is BC women's lax at Gillette is going to be celebrated. So that's also very cool. There's going to be a few diet Cokes being passed around. Yeah. I think that that is a genius marketing uh, deal there. I think that's going to be the highest um, merchandise slash concession sales of the year possibly for the PLL because those people are celebrating all right so let's look at next year because you know obviously Schnellenberger yeah 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 I you know I I could also make an argument for Pat Kavanaugh I think those would be my three that you're looking at and it's sad because it's still just all offensive mm-hmm. players, but there's so many, and, you know, I think we're really waiting to see the next great class of defensemen though, because so many of the guys that were elite this year were seniors mm-hmm. and are not coming back. 
So I, I agree with you. I, I think early on, Chris Gray, Pat Kavanaugh, and, and Snellenberger are by far, in a way, the, the favorites. But, you know, who knows? We'll see. Maybe, maybe there's somebody else from the Big Ten. Who knows? Um, yeah, I mean, I can't. It's, yeah. it's pretty easy to look at that list right now and just say who's coming back. You're at the top. So, yeah, that's it for that. So moving on. Let's talk about the PLL. So that returns. And because of the eighth team now, we do have Friday night lacrosse. And this is the greatest thing since what? Maction? Yeah. I mean, midweek NCAA football was amazing. Thank you to the Mac, even though it's not the best football. But now we're going to have three days of lacrosse out of seven pretty much every week. We're going to be able to, you know, we have a couple teams playing two in one weekend, but it looks like for the most part, they get a day off on Saturday. So let's dive right in. I mean, there's still, we had the 25 man cuts. We still have some visa issues, a couple, maybe one or two holdouts, a couple injuries, but for the most part, these rosters are starting to take shape. Uh, a few surprises on that 25 man that got cut, but Let's just go ahead and go game by game and look at what's going on. So Friday night, first game of the PLL season. Now that we have the new team, the Cannons, we have, you know, all the MLL guys over. We've got all the college guys that were drafted that made the team. They're, they're over. Sowers is, you know, wearing his water dog stuff. So we've got Cannons Redwoods, 7 p.m. Gillette Stadium. You know, who are you going with right off the bat? I'm going with Cannons. Absolutely, me too. From what I heard from uh, from old Ryan Conwell, who's who was at the scrimmages, the cannons looked pretty darn sharp. You know, Sean Quirk, great guy, Springfield Mafia, friend of the podcast. So, I mean, plus you got Lyle Thompson. I'm excited to see how that attack kind of shapes up because there are yeah. a lot of MLL weapons on that attack yeah. line. And so, and I, I'm, I'm surprised that he could roll out six attackmen, honestly, like a lot of these teams are planning on doing sometimes. So damn man, up's going to be sick. Yeah, I'm excited. And then the, the real question for me is, you know, I guess against the Redwoods would be goalie play. I mean, Nick yeah. Morocco is a good goalie. I'm, I'm excited to see how he does. I, I saw a couple of really cool goals scored on him in those uh, vlogs from RJ. So We'll, we'll see what happens, but yeah, we're both in agreement. We got cannons night one, day two, 5 p.m. We've got the reigning champs, the two-time reigning champs, whip snakes versus the chaos. Uh, I think the chaos is a team that usually does well later on in the season. Like it's kind of a buildup for them because they have such a specific style of play. And you, I, I feel like it's difficult. I'm also, I, I got to see that new defense. Mm -hmm. And I think the whips reloaded and that's kind of plug and play like the new guys, you know, bottom fill the roster and they just, they still have all their studs. So I got to go with the whips in game two. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm not going to different differentiate from you. I think um, the whips are going to take this. They just have so many guys back, you know, it, it's just, I think they're going to continue on with, with what they've done. Um, and like you said, the chaos are built for, you know, later in the year. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, as you saw last year, I mean, Towers is, is not afraid to pull a, a Tom Izzo and move stuff around all regular season. And then when it comes playoff time, like dial it in. And that's exactly what happened last year. So uh, game three, we've got the Archers who are, you know, very similar to how they have been in the past. They do have Connor Fields now, that, that extra weapon I think that they needed in on offense. And the Atlas who possibly, I mean – 
they look more different from the old Atlas than the cannons do from the old cannons. Yeah. And that's saying a lot because the cannons are an expansion team, kind of. So I got to go with the archers, but I think if this game gets played in three weeks, I would go with the Atlas just because, again, there's so much change for the Atlas that the archers just have the continuity, you know, less has to be redeveloped. Um, the Atlas also have some staff changes that happen. Yep. So they who, also who, don't, they also don't have guys doing shirtless, uh, workout videos too. So that'll probably work out in their favor. We'll um, see, man, the Atlas are very different and I don't know what to expect. So in those cases, I usually just root for the team. I know a little bit better and I'm going to have to go with the archers on that. I'm, I can't believe we're agreeing on this too, but I'm going to go with the archers. I think Connor Fields is going to do great for them. I think, um, this setup gives him the opportunity to really kind of play to his strengths. I think there, there are some other pieces on that attack line with him that will allow him to kind of basically do what he did when he was at Albany. Um, yeah. I think there are going to be some guys where he's going to be able to draw a slide, feed it. Um, well, if, think about who they're going to pull now when you're playing exactly the archers, right. because you got exactly. Manny Holman, Ament field. So yep. sure. You can pull those four, but then you got, you're going to leave Shriver. But I think these guys, <laughs> I, I think the archers um, are going to have to run that foreman system. Like Albany did where you're. Yeah. Running. Yeah. No, for sure. But like, are you going to, who are you going to short stick yeah. Tom Shriver? Yeah. So, like, that's a difficult decision every my, team has to... I think to, that might be my sleeper pick this year. I think you're going to see a huge jump from the Archers this year. Actually, that is my sleeper pick. I'm going to do it. The <laughs> there you go. Stop thinking about it and just do it. All right. All right. So, game number four, we got Water Dogs and then the Cannons on the back end of a back-to-back. I'm rolling with the Water Dogs. A, I think that, you know, it's it's to their benefit that that's their only game of the weekend. Yeah, you're going with the Pond Puppies. Yeah, uh, I think the cannons, if it's their only game, maybe I go with the cannons on this one. But listen, the water dogs, I don't know, man. There's just something about them. I, yeah. I just, I love the way that they're built. I love the guys, you know, they have a lot of guys that have been passed around already. Like they're that dark horse in the league already. And it's only their second season. But, you know, how do you root against Brody Merritt? How do you root against Eli Gobrecht? Like it's tough, man. Like, they, they've got some new pieces. I think that the changes that they made were very impactful. And I think that that gives them the edge in this one. And like I said, partially only because I think it's going to be a really close game, but I think they have that yeah. slight edge just because they'll be a little bit fresher. I'm going to go with the actual cannons with this one. We are going to differentiate a little bit on this one. Um, I think that uh, them actually playing two games in a weekend is going to be better because I think in the first game they're going to – uh, work some of the kinks out. So um, it gives them a data, point. Kind of data rest and recover and um, basically kind of rehash some of the things that went good, some of the things that went bad, make some changes where, you know, you need to. Um, so I think it's, I, I think it's going to be a, a good situation for them. I think they're, they're going to be able to, you know, um, win a close one uh, against the water dogs. But like you said, I, I am very high on the water dogs this year. I think, you know, if it's not necessarily the archers, I think the water dogs are going to do, um, do some damage this year and surprise a lot of people. Okay. And then game number five, that'll be Sunday afternoon, three forty-five. the Chrome versus the Redwoods. And this is one where I loved what they did last year with, you know, he turned this program around so fast. I'm going with the Chrome. I I'm super high Ooh. on the Chrome. I love Ooh. the Chrome. Ooh. I think, you know, I I'm excited to see TD go against the milkman and see how that matchup goes. Cause you know, sure. 
I've heard that TD is going to translate really well to the PLL rules from some face-off experts that we may have may or may not have had on the show. I think that bodes very well for him. He's got the speed, uh, but don't forget that is a small man, and the milkman is a freak, fire hydrant of a man. And I think that uh, that's going to be to the you know to the Chrome's uh, benefit. And I think overall, I just I love how do you not love Sudan? Like I love, I love the way he coaches, man. I love his style. I love what he did in year one. He seemingly turned the dumpster fire of the PLL in year one into a very, very relevant team. Mm -hmm. And he lost a few players before he even got to the season, like some of his key players. And he still, he found ways to make it work. So I'm, I'm very high. Like, I think if, if there's a sleeper, if you want to consider them a sleeper, I think the Chrome, could could be my sleeper this year just because of the fact that they they are I think that's how I would build my team out mm -hmm. you know he similarly reflects how I build my team so I'm gonna have to go with the chrome in this one and as kind of my sleeper pick to to make maybe the the final four if you will I'm gonna go with the redwoods on this one I really like what they're I, you know as opposed to you know the Friday game with the cannons I I, I think that um you know, they match up really well with the Chrome. I think that they have, uh, they have a solid D midi group. Um, they have um, some, some good close, uh, some good close defensemen. Um, but I think but, they just but what happens, what happens if one pole gets hurt? Because what are they only carrying five they, poles? Exactly six poles? right. Oh, exactly right. Like but nine attackmen. Hopefully, hopefully and that. three goalies and three yeah. goalies. Well, you know, they do. I want to know. I want to know. They, they have a short stick that played in the Jerry Burns system. So you could throw him a pole. I don't know. They got a couple. A couple I mean, they got a couple because didn't Jack but Near play there too? So he did. I think, um, you know, it depends think, on who makes yeah. Listen, it depends on who makes mm -hmm. the, the game, game day because it's only 19. So they're going to have to, they're not, they're not dressing three goalies yeah. on game day. No, they're not, not dressing nine attack. Well, they might dress nine attack when a lot but, of teams are, but. I think it's going to be interesting, man. I think it's going to be an interesting take. I think it's going to be, uh, but I'm going to go with the Redwoods. I think once again, they're going to be able to work out some of the kinks um, early on and um, maybe take it from there. Sounds good. All right. What's the over under on, so he has two games this weekend. He's let's say he plays the whole time in both. What's the over under on goals scored by Lyle Thompson through two games, you know, the whole weekend. What do you want to set this line at? I'm going to go ahead and set it like seven and a half. I was going to say six. I think okay. he's going to get. I think he's going to get more assists than goals. Okay. You want to do an over under on points? Ten. Uh, yeah. Ten and a half. Ten, ten, ten and a half. I like ten and a half. Number. All right, let's do it. Ten and a half over under on points for Lal Thompson. We'll see what the people think, but I think, I mean, he's going to get damn near ten points. But who knows? Maybe you know they do. PLL, do they do the second assist? Don't they? I think so. Who knows? I don't know. Even easier. Crazy. Yeah. It's wild. We'll, we'll have to look into it. Listen, there's so many and, changes. And, and going guess on. what? And if, they, if they don't, maybe they're listening to this and you know they've been known to change rules on the fly. Maybe they change the rule. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. different when you it's different. It all depends on how many second assists Paul Rabel has. If he has 500 uh second assists this year, they're gonna count the second assist. <laughs> so that he can get further away from John Grant Jr. Yeah, well, that's the beauty. That's the beauty when you're the owner. Yeah, 
you're really trying to make sure he doesn't come on this podcast, huh? I'm messing, but I love him. I honestly, I will, you know, uh, I, you, you, it's all well and good. I'm from Long Island. I, I, you know, I talk a lot of smack, but he is doing a phenomenal job. Him and his brother <laughs> have done a phenomenal job with putting this, putting this product in a place where it's, it, you can't even compare. The Listen, PLL to for the all the shit that he takes, anymore. no one else stepped up and he's the guy that stepped up. So, you know, the lacrosse world will be forever indebted to him for that and his brother and his dad and everybody else that's involved in this. So, you know, shout out to Paul Rabel for, for making yeah. the PLL a thing, because honestly, the MLL wasn't, you know, it wasn't it. It wasn't it. And nobody could fix it. And he offered to fix it and they still didn't want it to be fixed. Dude, so him and his are. brother, him and his brother are. are rocking and rolling, man. I, and I love it. I think they're it's doing a train, a man. The yeah. PLL is a train. So that's it for this week. Uh, go ahead to go to laxallstars.com to see where to watch the PLL games, whether they're on TV or Peacock. Uh, how to watch the Dwarton Award. We got a couple of great posts on that. And go ahead and go to social media to see who we pick as a entire staff for the winners of each PLL weekend. So until next week. See you later. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides.